You got a Bible? Yes. Got some time? Yes. Good. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold your hand up. And let's turn in the Scripture to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 and Ephesians 4. 2 Timothy 1 and Ephesians 4. 2 Timothy 1, we'll look first in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be ye angry, and what? Sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. How long can you stay mad? Huh? How long can you fume about a thing? Days at a time? Weeks at a time? How long can you stay upset? What if we asked your roommate or your spouse (laughs) or your uh, parents or your friend or your kids how long you could stay upset? About something. Just smile. Look straight ahead. Smile. Just don't. Be cool. Just smile. Well if Jesus is your Lord. And the word. Is final authority in your life. How long can you stay mad? Not long. Not long. You better get it together. You better get over it. You better forgive. You better cast your care over on the Lord. You better cool off. It is not okay. It is absolutely not okay to be mad and upset and been out of shape over something day after day after day, week after week, and the tension is so thick in your house you could cut it with a knife. It's no fun to be at the dinner table with you. What's wrong with them? Oh, they're mad. They've been mad for a month. Because they didn't get their way. They didn't get to do what they wanted to do. It's not okay for you to be that way. It's not okay for your spouse to be that way. It's not okay for your kids to be that way. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with the son? What's wrong with the daughter? Ah, we didn't let them do this. So they've been mad for a week now. Not okay. Unacceptable. Not okay. Now the world can do whatever they want. They serve another Lord. But not us. When you said Jesus is my Lord, it's supposed to mean something. Right? The Word's supposed to be your final authority in life. So say it out loud, this Word. This this Scripture. scripture, And all Scripture. scripture, Is the final authority. authority In my life. Whatever it says, says, I must do. do. He said, be angry and what? Now that's, notice he didn't say never get angry. (laughs) There's some stuff can make you angry. I don't care who you are. Jesus got angry, didn't he? God gets angry, but Jesus never sinned. 
God can't sin. So, no, you may get angry. But what's he saying? Read the very next verse and you get more light. What does it say? Neither give place to the devil. If you got mad and yielded to it, you'd sin. How would you yield to anger? How do you yield to temper? Friend, this is a revelation. When people talk about, I just got so mad, I couldn't help it. I just got so mad. Next thing I knew, I had slapped them. Next thing I knew, I said those ugly words. Next thing I knew, I knocked them down. Next thing I knew, I broke the dishes. No, no, I'm sorry, no. You yielded to it. It was your choice. You did not have to. Now the problem is, you know, it's so sad that even small children... Their parents have allowed them to pitch temper fits and yield to anger. And they've done it all their life. And so they do it before they even think. They've trained themselves. And they try to make excuses. Well, I got a bad temper. Well, that's your fault. It's entirely your fault. Is it possible to be angry, to even be very angry and not miss it? Sin means miss the mark. Is it possible to be really, really angry and not sin? It is. It's possible to be very angry and people not even know. Because no matter how angry you are, you should choose to say what you decide to say. And do what you decide to do about the situation. And not be governed by how you feel. If you grow up in the Lord. If you become a mature spiritual person. You'll be that way. How many know that's different from unsaved people? They get mad you're going to know about it. And they say and do all kind of stuff. And then they have to come back and say I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. I should. Well absolutely you shouldn't have said it. But it's better if you didn't yield to it. And never had to come back and say, I'm sorry, because you didn't say it to have to apologize for. Don't yield to it. Yielding would mean giving place to the devil. Is it true that if we yield to temper and anger, we're giving place to the devil? That sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? Well, friend, this is all different levels of somebody just stomping out and pouting or somebody pulling out a gun and shooting somebody. How many terrible crimes have been committed in a fit of temper? And so as all these different levels of yielding to the devil, but how many know if you never yield on the little level, you'll never get to that other place where you're killing somebody? Read it out loud again. What's that 27th verse? Is that what it is? Neither give place to the devil. Say it again. Neither give place to to the devil. Once again, neither give place to the devil. Who's the understood subject here? It says we should say you. You are not to give place to the devil. Who's it up to? It's up to me. It's up to you. So can we assure that you'll never get mad again? No. You may get mad. But what does that mean? No matter how mad you may get, It's still up to you what you do with it. 
And what do you need to do? You don't need to do anything till you hear from the Lord, till you get direction. Don't do anything in a fit of temper or anger. You check your heart. If your emotions are just super strong in you, get away, get out, cool off, seek the Lord, see what to do. Now, along this line, there is a specific area where people are missing it, Christians are missing it, and giving place to the devil, opening the door wide for the devil to destroy in their lives. And so many times people act like they're surprised when you bring it up to them or mention it to them. There is a principle. Before we look at this other scripture, go with me to Job 3. Job 3. You're turning to Job 3. This scripture said, neither give place to the devil. The Amplified says, leave no room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Does the devil need opportunity? Obviously he does. He has to have an opening. He has to have an opportunity to work destruction in your life. If he could just do it at whim, none of us would be sitting here tonight. He'd have taken all of us out long ago. If it's up to him. No, he has to find place. He has to have opportunity. And who did the scripture warn not to give it to him? Us. He's telling us not to give a place or opportunity for the devil to move. And do things in our life. And you know, this is one of the most, uh, to me, unpleasant things about people in their perception of God. You've got so many people blaming God for so many things, don't you? They go through all kind of destruction and disaster and problems. And people will say, well, the Lord's got some purpose in it. And, and Well, what about verses like this? What about the destroyer being able to work in your life because you gave him place? And it having nothing to do with the will of God. Not enough people acknowledge this. Not enough folks talk about this. Who's it up to? To keep the door shut. And give the devil no place. Give him how much place? No place. Do you have a desire to give the devil absolutely no opportunity? No room. No place to move in your life. Do you? Would you take responsibility from the word that we can give him place? That oftentimes things have happened because we gave him place? Just from that scripture you can see the reality of that. Well, here is one of the number one ways in my small experience and understanding, I would say, one of the number one ways that people, I'm talking about Christians now and everybody, but Christians give place to the devil. Job, the third chapter, and verse 25. Job 3.25, what does it say? For the thing which I greatly feared, what happened? Is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come to me. The thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. 
If you look at other scriptures throughout the Word, you'll see this is a law. This is a spiritual law. That if you fear something, you draw it to you. If you fear something enough and long enough, it will come on you. If you're afraid enough of something and persist in that fear and allow it to grow until it consumes you, the thing you're afraid of will find you and happen to you. Millions of Christians don't even believe what I just said. Do you know that? They're going, well, you know, stuff happens. We don't know why. Well, if you believe the Bible, you find principles, don't you? And reasons. We have not been serious enough as a whole, have not been serious enough about the dangers of fear. One of the most dangerous things in your life and for your family is you yielding to fear. Can you see this? He said, neither give place to the devil. Now, if you read the book of Job, in this particular passage right here, we know that Job lived a life of freedom and safety, complete safety. God had a hedge. We talked about that recently, didn't we? About everything that the man had. His family was kept. His kids and their families were kept. The man was rich, multi-billionaire, rich, influential, free, in peace. And I mean, the devil came in and stole all his flocks, killed all his kids, put disease on his body. Have you read this? Yes, sir. Did the devil do that? It says it. Satan went forth and smote Job. Satan went forth and stirred up those individuals to come rob him and kill his servants and kill his lives. The Bible said the devil did it. Is there a devil? The Bible says there is. And the Bible said the devil did it. Well, Job's kept for all these years. And now, at this time, all this destruction comes into his life. Why didn't the devil do it before? Why didn't the devil do it year after year after year after year, decade after decade? The Bible said God had put a hedge about everything Job had. He was protecting him. What changed? What happened? Job tells us himself, doesn't he? And yet, some way or another, because of religious tradition, people read it and it makes no impression on them. Oh, he was afraid. Bad stuff happened. Like the bad stuff happened and that made him afraid. That's not what the Bible said. People have got cause and effect flipped around, haven't they? Well, yeah, he was afraid. All that stuff happened to him. No, that's not what he said. Put it up again. What did the scriptures say? The thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. The thing that what? He feared it. And that which I was afraid of is come to me. He didn't say it came to me and I was afraid. He was afraid of it. And it came on him. Can you afford to fear? Can I afford to fear? Is it serious? Do people give place to the devil? Do they give opportunity for the devil to do things in their life by being afraid? 
by getting in fear. Yes. Yes. You believe something can be done about it? Can we keep from it? Absolutely we can. Go to 2 Timothy where you're holding your place there, please. This is the principle. While you're turning there, find another place. Go to Matthew 14. You're going back to your 2 Timothy 1, and we're going to Matthew 14 in a bit, I think. To yield to something is to act on the prompting, the urging, the feeling, the thought. To yield to the Holy Spirit. We've yielded to the Holy Spirit already this evening. Why did we have a healing line? Why? The Lord didn't make me or Phyllis do any of it. He doesn't make people do things. Why would you do it then? Why would you say it? Because of a prompting. Because of a prompting. But then, even though you have a prompting, it's up to us to yield to it. And what does yield mean? Act on it. Do it. Say it. And friend, this is one of the greatest open doors for the power of God to manifest in our life that there's ever been and ever will be. Acting in faith on the prompting of the Spirit can bring amazing miracles. Can it? Every miracle of healing and deliverance you ever heard about, that's how it came. I said, that's how it came. Somebody believed God. Somebody stepped out and acted on what they believed. Acted on what He was leading them to say and do. And when they acted on that faith, the power of God was manifested. Jesus told the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. Is that a prompting? So what did the man do? Yeah, but he can't. Hands withered. He can't stretch it. Didn't say extend your arm. He said stretch out your hand. That's the part that won't work. It's withered. But he's got a prompting now. From the Lord. Stretch out your hand. So by faith he begins to, even though he's tried to make that work, who knows how long. Make his hand work, who knows how long. He starts to do it in faith. And when he reaches the end of his ability to act on that prompting, he meets the power of God. Oh, glory to God. Why? Because he acted on, which is another way to saying he yielded to, which another way to say is he gave place to the Holy Spirit. And in so doing, he had a miracle. The power of God changed material, physical things. This is how it works. This is how miracles happen. Life-changing, amazing things happen. Acting on, yielding to, prompting of the Lord. Well, what some have not seen, though, is it works another way, too. Acting on a fear has the same kind of operation and effect, only instead of miracle power, it's death. 
and destruction. Yielding to a fear, acting on a fear, is absolutely one of the most dangerous things you and I can ever do in this life. It gives the devil a place, a right, an opportunity to manifest death and destruction in our life. Remember James talks about this? Faith without works is dead. One translation says faith with no action. If you don't believe something enough to act on it, what's the reality? You don't believe it. You're not really convinced. But if you believe something enough to act on it, it proves you believe it. You have demonstrated that you're persuaded enough to act. And the same thing is true with fear. If you act on a fear, you prove you believe it. You're convinced enough, you're persuaded enough of that fear that you take action based on fear. And it's a sad case that I don't know the number of Christians the devil is leading by fear. They don't realize it. But when you follow fear, you're being devil-led. Not led by the Holy Spirit, led by the devil. I'm talking about Christians. Believers, church-going people, otherwise good people, and don't even see what they're doing. Now think about this. Where is the devil going to lead you? He's going to lead you into something that's going to steal from you, kill you, destroy you. Isn't he? Where's the Holy Spirit going to lead you? He's going to lead you into life. Light, life, freedom, abundance, healing, blessing. Oh, come on, can you see it? What's it going to take to follow the Holy Spirit? Faith. You got to believe what He's showing you and dealing with you enough to act on it. Step out on it. It's going to take faith. And what if you act by faith? We acted by faith and came to Branson with no money and no people. We stepped out. Didn't know how to do it. Now, if you're just doing something off the top of your head, well, you can fall flat on your face. But if the Lord really did lead you and you step out, will you see miracles? Will you see power? Will you see amazing things happen? Well, what if he leads you, but you won't step out? Faith without action is dead. You won't see any results. What about fears that come, but you won't act on them? (laughs) That's dead fear. Hey! Dead fear that can't hurt you, can't bother you. Fears came. Thoughts came. Disturbing feelings came. Bad reports came. But you refused to yield to them. You refused to be led by them. You refused to act on them. You wouldn't think on them. You wouldn't talk them. You wouldn't do them. 
they die. I said they die and have no power to hurt you. Hallelujah. Where are you in your scripture there? Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. What does it say? God has not given us the spirit of fear. Then do we have to have it? Should we have it? We got any business with it? It didn't come from God. Oh, friend, this is a revelation. Don't assume you know all this now. If fear comes to you, what do you know? It is not from God. If it's not from God, what about it? Not only should you not receive it, but you should resist it. It's not from God. If it's not from God, where is it from? You got no business with it. Besides that, it's not a harmless thing. It's absolutely one of the most dangerous things in life. If you get to thinking on it, you get to talking on it, and if you act on it, you have given the devil place in your life. You've given him a right to work destruction in your life. This hasn't been taught enough. Too many people think, oh, well, I don't know about all. We're reading scriptures. We're reading Bible. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Actually, other translations bring out timidity. There are different degrees of fear. Being timid is not okay. Dreading is a level of fear. I just dread going in. I just, what is that? It's fear. Now let's just stop right here. You dread going in. What if you don't go in, even though you need to, because you dread going in? You just acted on a fear. You are letting fear lead you and govern your day. That ain't the Holy Spirit leading you. So who's leading you today? Which means you're somewhere you're not supposed to be. Right now. You were supposed to be over there. But you didn't go because you dreaded it. And were afraid. Now the Lord's not leading you today. Now you do know I'm not making this up, right? I'm happy about this. Not everybody's mature enough to hear these things. Some folks just, you know, they don't know what to do with it. But apparently we can handle it. I said, apparently we can receive it. And it's good. I said, it's good. And says, well, uh, I may have to chew on that. Well, sometimes meat you got to chew on. Chew on it. Don't spit it out. Make sure it's the word. If it is, chew on it. And swallow it eventually. <laughs> Where are you now? Go please to Romans, the eighth chapter, and then we'll go to Hebrews, the second chapter. Romans 8, Hebrews 2. Haven't forgot about Matthew. You're wanting me to be led, right? Not by fear. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid we're going to lose our place. 
Not afraid I'm going to forget. Friend, this may be richer than you know. What we're talking about right now. What if you're afraid you're going to forget? What if you're afraid you're getting older and your memory's slipping? What if you're afraid that what happened to your relative will happen to you? Hmm? What if you dread getting older because that's what happened to mama or grandma or daddy? What if you, you don't talk it, but you kind of dread it because, man, they had a rough time. What is that? It's fear. Is it okay? Is it harmless? No. See, even though you're not talking it, it's working in you. And if you let it work there long enough, you know what will happen? You'll start talking it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You get something in you strong enough, it's going to come out. You'll start talking about it. You can't just harbor secret fears in you month after month and year after year harmlessly. It's growing in you. It's getting stronger in you. It gets strong enough in you, you're going to start acting on it. And when you start acting on it, you begin to give the devil a right and a place and an opportunity to do it in your life. To bring it to pass. What did Job say? The thing I was afraid of came unto me. The thing I greatly feared happened to me. Came on me. He put it together, didn't he? Afterwards he realized. I was afraid of that. I was afraid of that. And it happened to me. Well, think about the other side of it. You believe it. You believe it. You expect it. And it happens to you. Isn't it what we teach with faith? Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Right? You believe it. You're expecting it. You're acting on it. You're saying it. You're making plans to receive it. You're making plans for it to happen. And it'll happen. It'll come to pass. It'll flat come to pass. We're seeing it. We've had houses paid off. We've had lands. We've had debts paid off. We've had vehicles. We've had healings and miracles. Well, then why would we be so oblivious to think it wouldn't work against us? If you're fearing that something's going to happen to you, you must believe something. You must believe it can happen to you. You get to believe in it strong enough, you get to where you're expecting it to happen to you. That's why you're afraid. It's perverted faith. It's distorted faith, but it gives the devil a right to move. Somebody said out loud right now, I'm not afraid. afraid. I refuse to fear. fear. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but that's okay. I think you need it right now. (laughs) The devil will say, you are afraid, and you know it. Don't sit there and lie. You are afraid. No, no. Symptoms of fear. Fearing is a choice. I said fearing is a choice. Just like believing is a choice. It's a choice. It's not based on what you feel or don't feel. How about the 23rd Psalm? Anybody know the 23rd Psalm? Help me out. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
Whoa, 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 whoa. I will. I what? What if you can't help it? What if it just jumps on you? Hmm? I will fear no evil. What do you mean you will? Sometimes it's just overwhelming. You just you just go into a full-blown panic and you don't want to, but you just No. 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 It's a choice. A choice as to whether you yield to it or whether you resist it. Oh friend, this is a valuable thing to learn. Valuable thing to learn. I don't care. How many know if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you might feel something. You might see something. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. How many understand? This ain't a rose garden. And the sun ain't shining. It's the valley of the shadow of death. You reckon you got feelings? Friend, you can have the hair standing up on the back of your neck. You can have goosebumps double parked on your arms. Your knees can be bumping together. Your heart can be racing. And from down inside you, you can say, I refuse to fear. The devil says, you're already afraid. Say, shut up. I don't receive this. These feelings don't tell me what I believe. It's my choice what I believe. And what I receive and what I yield to or what I resist. Feelings of fear are just symptoms. I said they're just symptoms. Resist them. Resist them. I keep getting more scriptures. You got two? You holding two? Can you hold another one? First Peter. Oh, thank you, Lord. First Peter. Say it out loud. I refuse to fear. I don't have to fear. I don't have to be afraid. I never have to fear. Now, what if you feel afraid? It's just symptoms. Feelings of fear don't tell you what you have to believe and what you have to do. The devil says, you're already afraid. It's too late. You say, shut up. I resist it. And the time you need to say it the most is when you feel almost paralyzed. You need to make yourself get up and say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. You can quote that verse in the Psalms. Say it right out loud. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will not fear a thing. I refuse to fear. What if you die? Hey, we all going to die. Didn't you know that? It's terrible that people act like dying is the worst thing that could happen to you. For the believer, dying is not even close to being the worst thing that can happen to you. We all going to die if the Lord tarries just that much longer, you know. Living in fear for a child of God is worse than dying. Because when a child of God dies, there ain't no torment. To go to be with Jesus, ain't no torment. It's far better, the Bible said, than being here. But to live in fear, fear has torment. All of us have tasted of fear. All of us have been tormented. We weren't taught 
what to do with it. We weren't told what to do. I've seen on church signs, church signs, a little fear is good. Church sign. No, a little fear opens the door to the devil in your life a little bit. A lot of fear opens the door to the devil a lot. No fear gives the devil no place. (laughs) So how much you want? (laughs) How much you want? Neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any place. And I'm telling you, this is one of the major ways that Christians give place. 1 Peter 5, 7. I think these verses will take on new and richer meaning to us in the light of this. Verse 7 says what? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now this is talking about anxious care. We'd call it worry. What's worry associated with? Why would you be worrying? You're afraid something's going to happen bad. You're afraid something that you need is not going to happen. Keep reading. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? No, no, back up. What's this got to do with casting your care? Because you better be on the watch, hadn't you? You better be alert and awake. For what? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may. He has to have place. He has to have an opportunity. Doesn't he? What's that got to do with you casting your care over on the Lord? Keep reading. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Well, we didn't receive the spirit of fear from God. So we've already established that. Where does that fear come from? From the devil. So what should you do with that fear if it didn't come from God? You should resist it. And not just for 30 minutes and then quit and sit down and cry. How long should you resist it? Steadfast. Whenever it comes, as long as it stays, what do you do with fear, saints? Tell me what you do with fear. You resist it. As an act of your will, you say, I refuse to give place to this fear. I refuse to let this fear bind me and dominate me. I refuse to be afraid. And I don't care if you're trembling. I don't care if your heart's racing. And the devil comes and says, too late. You're already afraid. He said, no, it's not too late. These are just feelings and symptoms of fear. It's my choice what I yield to. And I choose not to yield to this. I refuse to fear. Say it out loud. I refuse to fear. What? Anything. Doesn't make any difference what it is. It's not okay. There's nothing out there that it's okay to fear. Nothing. Nothing. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. It's nothing new. Everybody's dealing with the same stuff. But the God of all grace who's called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, come through it. He'll make you perfect. He'll establish you. He'll strengthen you. He'll settle you. I think it sounds good, being perfected 
and established and strengthened and settled. Does that sound good? How's he able to do that? Because you are resisting this stuff. You are casting every one of your cares and concerns over on the Lord. You refuse to carry care and worry and fear. Thank you, Lord. Go to Philippians, please. I know that's not one of the other two. (laughs) Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 6. Verse 6 says what? Did he say try not to? No, no. He said just be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What do you do if something's bothering you? Don't be afraid about it. Pray about it. Talk to God about it. And then what? And the peace of God. Don't sound like fear to me. The peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, all this goes together, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, think on these things. Is that important about staying free from fear? For we got to understand, there are some things we must not let ourselves think on. It will feed fear. Oh, and it can come, and it can be persistent, and it can be pervasive. Some things are all around you. They're in front of your eyes. You feel them in your body. It demands your attention. Look at me. Think about me. Be afraid of me. But to yield to that fear is to give the devil an opportunity to destroy you. Give him a right to destroy you. So it is absolutely life and death. What you let yourself think about. That's not my words. Romans 8. Romans 8. Does it matter what we think about? Yes. Yes. Let me say it like this. Thinking on good things feeds our faith. You know, coming to church. I'm not trying to scare you. The Spirit of God is not saying things to you tonight to put fear in you, to alarm you. But other places, things you would watch and things you would hear, what are they trying to do? They're saying, we're scared. You should be too. We're really scared. It's terrible. You should be scared. And all too often Christians go, yeah, it's bad. Man, yeah. And then they'll leave and go, what are we going to do? Man, this thing's a mess. What if such and such happens? What if the other happens? What if it don't work out? What if they can't fix it? What if, what are you doing? And they go, I know, I stayed up half the night last night thinking about myself. I mean, you know my retirement ain't worth half of what it used to be. And what if I live X amount of time? And what if I need this? What is that? Is it harmless? Is it okay? Friend, it is giving the devil a legal right to work destruction in your life. What you fear can come on you. He said, verse 6, Romans 8, 
To be carnally minded is what? Death. Death. To be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Does it matter what you let yourself think on? Life and death? Life and death? Difference in what you think on? How can you examine things and catch yourself? If it's making you afraid, what must you do immediately? You cut it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. If you're not in control of it, get out of there. You cannot afford to hear it. Why? It's getting to you. It's scaring you. It's bothering you. Can you afford to be afraid of it? No, because the fear is what gives the devil an open door to do it. Friend, when we learn these things, we'll treat hearing and reports and books and magazines and people talking differently. We'll discern things. And when something begins to impact us and shake us and bother us, we'll know, up, 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 uh uh-uh, I got to get out of here. I can't hear this. I can't pay attention to this. Why? It's getting on me. It's bothering me. I'm starting to think about it. And you don't just stay in a vacuum. You don't just run from the problem. You need to be around something that's putting into you. The words of faith. To be spirit, even though to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and what? And what? Peace. Peace. Man, you should be on the look. You should be on listen for things that put strength in you. And things, when you hear them, they calm you down. When you hear them, they make you relax. When you hear them, they remind you how big God is. And how faithful He is. And how Jesus has already taken care of everything. And how that He can always cause you to win. When something has that effect on your spirit... You need to come back for more. And you need to hear it again. And again. Why? Because there's a lot of voices out there in the world that's trying to scare you. And if we listen to them and we meditate on them, we're fools. Nobody. I don't care who you are. Okay, how much word you think you know. How much experience you think you have with God. Nobody can sit and listen to fear night and day and it not affect you. Nobody. I've learned over the years. If I'm believing God for something. Particularly when it's requiring more of our faith. When it looks dawning to my natural mind. I become very protective of that. And I refuse to hear reports to the contrary. Did you hear me? You know, sometimes people may think, I, well, he's just not sociable. No, I just won't talk about that. <laughs> well, all I want is a few minutes of your time. No, I'm sorry. No. Not on that. Why? Because I know how sometimes in the beginnings, how fragile your faith feels. And the enemy's out to destroy you. And none of us is so strong that we can just listen to anything night and day and it not affect us. We in healing school back in years past in Brother Hagin's ministry, we'd have people come, should have been dead weeks ago. And in the course of one week, one week, 80% improved. I mean, just amazing. Amazing. 
I mean, they were, pardon the expression, they looked like death warmed over when they came in Monday morning. Pale, couldn't hold theirself up. Doctor said they should have been dead two weeks ago. And I mean, by the end of the week, colors back, sitting up, got strength, feel good. And then we'd break for the week. Monday morning, they're back, look almost as bad as they did the week before. It bothered me. I thought, Lord, we made that progress, and then look at there. Look like they're almost where they started a week ago. I didn't have the answers at first. I prayed. I sought the Lord about it. And he brought me to these scriptures. To be carnally minded is death. Works death in you. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And he spoke these words to my heart. He said, yeah, while they're with you during the week. See, we had them twice a day. And so we got them four or five hours a day sometimes. While they're with you, you and the other ministers and people there, they got their mind on what I'm saying, the Lord was saying to me. They got their mind on me. They got their mind on what I said. The faith is coming into them. Life is coming. They're being spiritually minded. But then they go home. And Aunt B asks them 95 times, how do you feel? Honey, you just don't look good. How do you feel? Now, don't give me that faith stuff. Now, tell me how you really feel. And you talk about the symptoms and you talk about how you feel night and day. I don't care who you are, how strong you think you've been. It's going to work death in you. You start getting afraid again. Can we afford to be afraid? Can we afford any degree of fear? Is it life and death? It is. It is. Skip on down to Romans 8 and the uh, 14th verse. As many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. Is that how you want to be led? By the Spirit of God. Verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? To fear. Is he talking about being led by something else here? Another spirit. Children of God can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. Sons of God. But you've not received this other spirit of bondage again to fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of fear brings you into bondage. That's what Hebrews talks about. We won't turn there for time's sake. But it talks about how Jesus has delivered us. Delivered all those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear makes you subject. Makes you susceptible to, subservient to. Subject is a submission word. Fear gives bondage a place of control over you. Doesn't it sound like giving the devil place? Fear. Fear does it. Say it again. I refuse to fear. Anything? Refuse to fear getting in a car wreck. Refuse to fear getting a disease. Refuse. Refuse to fear. Mental illness. Hmm? Yeah. Said out loud, I will never, I will never lose, my mind. lose my mind. Yeah, but you know, Aunt Jenny, you know, towards the end, boy, she just lost it, you know. And they always said, you're so much like her. <laughs> Say it again, I will never, I will never lose my mind. 
Come on, remember the scripture? God did not give us the spirit of timidity and fear, but the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. If you believe it, it excites you. Come on now. That you're going to live your whole life through and be sharp mentally. I am. Well, well, now preacher. Mm-hmm. That's mighty big talk, little preacher man. Because you know, you just never know. Come on, I'll stop right here. What is that? It's fear. Why would they say that? They're afraid. And they're saying, oh, don't you stand up there and talk like that. Why? Now, they're not saying all this, but let me help you read between the lines. They're saying, the devil's powerful. Buddy, he can do stuff. You better not talk too sassy. He'll put it on you. You might as well bow down and say, oh, great devil. I found another verse. I found another verse. It said he has been stripped. He's been brought to naught. And he is under our feet. It said if you'd resist him, he would flee from you. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. The psalmist stood up. And he said, a thousand may fall over here. 10,000 may fall over here, but it won't touch me. It won't happen to me. That's mighty big talk, David. He knew the principle. He knew it was not the will of God for him to be destroyed. And he knew if he wouldn't be afraid of it, it couldn't get to him. Say it again. I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. Anything. Anything. I, refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. I'm blessed. Yes. You still got Matthew? Yes, oh, good for you. <laughs> Matthew, see how good your memory is? Look at that. You sharp. Quick. Bright. Good looking. Very rich. And a major blessing. That's you. That's me. What you afraid of? (laughs) That's a good answer. Good. Our time is not unprofitable tonight. Good. Good. Man, you came right back with that one. Nothing. Matthew 14. Have you noticed how many times in the scripture the Lord... Angel of the Lord, God speaking, men of God said, fear not, be not afraid. How many know we're not talking about two or three times? This must be important, mustn't it? We haven't taken him seriously enough. Of all the things the Lord could say, why would he say that? Again and again, when things come up, why did he say Fear not. 
How many remember him telling Moses and telling Joshua that when they faced all those Canaanites and all those iron chariots? I mean, he was very straight with them. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Fear them not. We haven't taken this seriously enough. We thought God was giving us a pep talk. We thought the Lord was giving us a little pep talk going, come on. Don't be afraid because he didn't want us feeling the fear. It's much bigger than that. Of all the things he could say in these critical situations. How many know God knows a lot? He could have said a lot of things that would have been good. And again and again in these critical situations. What did he say? I mean when their back was against the wall. When they're outnumbered. When death seems imminent. What would he tell them again and again? Fear not. Why? Because that was the one thing that could mess up what he wanted to do for them. Oh, friends, are you with me now? It was the one thing that could undermine and get in the way of what he wanted to do. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. They go, oh, no, no, God is God. And he gets ready to do something, he can do it. Well, then why did he say it? Why did he say it in these critical situations? Think about Jairus' daughter. Remember that situation? She was at the point of death. Jairus had enough faith, he acted on it. Can you see this? He had enough faith in Jesus and in the healing power. He left his dying daughter's bedside with everybody telling him she had minutes to live. Now, how can a parent walk away from a child that may be in their last few minutes? You believe something. I said, you believe something. He believed in Jesus. He believed in healing power, and he found Jesus, and he asked him to come, and Jesus said he would, and on their way, remember what happened? She died while he was gone. And on their way to the house, his kinfolks and servants met him and said, don't bother the master anymore, it's too late. She's dead. Now tell me what Jesus said and did. Jesus turned and looked at Jairus. What did he tell him? Don't be afraid. Fear not. Only believe. Now are you telling me that those words are meaningless? That he could have just waited on in there and healed her? It didn't make any difference? If it didn't make any difference, he wouldn't have said it. Why would he tell him so at this critical time? Why would he stop of all the things he could have told him? Why did he stop and look at him? Can you see it now? Jesus, this man, grief has gripped his heart. That's his little baby girl. This is his life. Panic is trying to seize him. You think he's got any feelings? You can't hear something like, you know these people are not lying to you. He's got all these feelings. And Jesus looked him right in the eyes. It says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Only believe. What's he saying? Don't quit me now, Jairus. It's your faith that got us this far. That's why I'm headed to your house. Don't quit me. What if he had said, it's too late, it's too late. And he had broken down in panic and fear. The story wouldn't be in there. We've not acknowledged this enough. 
people have thought Jesus was just trying to pep people up. Don't be afraid. No, please don't be afraid. No, it's the one thing that can undermine what Jesus is endeavoring to do in your life. Why? Because he works by faith. You take away the faith, you take away his right to do it. And if he's going to do things for you just because you need it, even though you're full of fear, in order to be fair, he'd have to do it for everybody on the planet. And he'd just be meeting needs because needs existed. And people needed it. And that's not the way he set it up. That's not the way it is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What's the, might say, mortal enemy of faith? Fear. Fear. Matthew 14. Verse 22, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. To go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. Where's he going? Going to them. It's in between three and six in the morning. Storming. Waves are crashing. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they what? They were troubled. They said, it's a spirit. Well, you know, it's not every day you see somebody walking on the water. It's dark. There's a storm. And what? They cried out for? For fear. Seeing miracles doesn't give you faith. Faith comes by hearing. Straightway. That's right away. Jesus spoke to them. What did he say? Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. It's me. Be not afraid. What does the Lord expect us to do when he tells us something like that? Does he really expect us to fear no more? Or is he just saying it? Because it's one of his standard sayings. And he knows we're going to still be afraid. But he just likes to say it. <laughs> or does he expect a response? When he says, don't be afraid, what does he expect? Come on, help me out. What does he expect? Yeah, but what if you're fe- You know, these guys are in the boat. They're wet. They're cold. Another salt wave just slapped you in the face. And, and the boat looks like it's about to sink. You got symptoms of fear. Can you choose not to fear? Even in the midst of fearful situations. He said, be not afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, call me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Faith comes how? Did he just hear something? If the Lord says, come, what does that mean? That means you can come. And the faith came. And Peter, when he was come out of the ship, he walked on the water. What did he do? Did he act on this? Yes, sir. Did he act on faith? Yes. What happened? Is this miraculous? Is this amazing? This defies the laws of gravity. Did it happen? This is not a fairy tale. This is history. And living word. 
He acted on his faith. And a miracle got him out of a little rickety boat. Standing on top of everything that's going on. I said got him out. Stepping out on his faith got him out of a rickety sinking boat. And he's standing on top of the whole deal. Wind, waves, storm. He's standing on top of drowning. You can't drown on top of the water. He's standing on top of waves and wind. He's standing on top. Come on, what got him out? What got him on top? What got him out of his little rickety boat? What got him out? Faith. When you step out on faith, it gives God a right to move in your life. How many know he couldn't just stayed in the boat though and talked about it? If he'd have said, did he say come? Did I understand him right? Yeah, that's what he said. Huh. Come. That's like, like get out. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> what do you think he means? By come. How many know he could have done that until they all sank? Why? Because if you won't act on it, what does it prove? You don't really believe it. You're not fully persuaded. When did the power of God manifest? When did the miracle happen? He got up. He took a step. Is that right? He let his weight rest. When he did, he met the power of God. This is not just for Peter. This is not just a shout about something happened a long time ago. This is how any man, any woman, any believer can get out of a rickety sinking situation. And have miracles. And just be brought up on top of the whole deal. Do you believe it? How? Acting on faith. Acting on faith. But this is not the end of the story, is it? He acted on something else later. Can you see this? He saw, verse 30, the wind, boisterous. Of course, everybody knows if the wind's blowing hard like that, can't walk on the water. Not in a wind like that. Not with, uh, not with waves that high. You can't, you can't. Now see the unreasonableness of fear. This is unreasonable. Unreasonable to think you can't walk on the water because the wind is blowing. You can't walk on the water when it's perfectly calm. But that fear is that way. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. It's a belief. It's not a mental assessment. It's just like faith. Faith is not of the head. Fear is not of the head either. Besides that, 
It's unreasonable to say you can't do it in these conditions. He is. Right? How many understand how unreasonable this is? He's just been doing it. He is doing it. And yet, he's looking at the wind. He's looking at the waves. Got his eyes off of Jesus. And this is more than just physical now. The enemy used what he was looking at to bring feelings and thoughts of fear to him. You can't do this. You can't do this. Look down. Look at that. You know how deep this lake is out here? (laughs) They'll never find you. In this storm at night, he used what he was seeing to bring the feelings and thoughts of fear rushing in. And Peter yielded to him. We're not given the detail, but just knowing how it works. How did he get out on the water? In the miracle of the first place, act of faith. What caused him to start to sink? Had to be an act of fear. Well, he did something. He got to looking at it. That's an act. He got to thinking and yielding, and he probably started trying to do something. Here he goes. Down. Acting on faith brings miracles. Acting on fear brings destruction and death. Oh, but there's still another factor. (laughs) Acting on fear, he starts going down. But he cries, Lord, (laughs) save me, as he's going down. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. Caught him before he went under. (laughs) Oh, the mercy of God, the mercy of God, the mercy of God. Even if you mess up, (laughs) even if you act on a fear, don't just give it up and drown. Ask for some mercy. (laughs) Jesus, help me. He grabbed him. He pulls him up. Here's what he said. What did he say? Oh, thou little faith. Why'd you doubt? Did he want him to keep walking? He wanted him to go all the way with him. Right? He didn't want him to sink. What else is he telling him? You didn't have to sink. You didn't have to sink. Why did you? Why did you get to thinking you couldn't walk on the water because the wind was blowing? You were doing it. We know you got some faith. He said little faith. That means he had some. He made it from the boat that far. But what undermined him? What pulled the power of God out of his life? Fear. 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 Can you afford any fear? Should you teach your children to be afraid of anything? No. No. Don't teach them to be afraid of animals, afraid of snakes, afraid of cars, afraid of wrecks. Don't teach them any fear at all. You teach them to respect things. You show them what things can do. You tell them about reality, but no fear, none, none, not of anything. Isn't it wonderful? Little children, when they first come into the world, they're not afraid. 
Got no torment. Now they need parents. They need to be taught. You don't set up your playpen out there in the interstate. But you don't teach them to avoid destruction by fearing it. Because you are teaching them a principle that can destroy them throughout their life. Hallelujah. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? Come on, help me out. I know you know it. I will. It's an act of my will. It's a choice. Fear no evil. I will not fear. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Glory to God. Close your eyes for just a moment here. Father, we thank you for helping us tonight. And we know that no fear is of you. Fear has torment. And it's not your will that we be tormented at all. We take the authority and power in the name of Jesus. And by faith we will break the power of fear in minds and lives. Get ready to release your faith. There are people here, people watching my internet. You've been paralyzed with fears your whole life long. They've governed you. They've dominated you. They've held you in bondage. And tonight's your night to get free. Tonight's your night to take a stand. And say no more. No more. I refuse to live like that. I refuse. To fear. Hallelujah. Everybody said out loud. Fears. Fears of death. Fears of destruction. Fears of disease. Fears of poverty. Fears of failure. I resist you. You'll have no place. In my mind. In my life. No place. From here on out. I resist you steadfast in my faith. Fears leave me. Hallelujah. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.